Bruce, welcome to the Granite Zero podcast. How you doing, Sean? Thanks, buddy. Yeah, it's no problem, mate. It's my honour to have you on. You know, it's been it's been weeks, maybe maybe even months since we first started properly chatting about about it all. It could even be almost a year since, well, yeah. talk, coming up to a year since uh, my book got released. Anyway, so yeah. yeah. And no, I released mine. Yeah, I released mine about years ago as a as a digital book, and I did a uh, as a paperback a year ago. Yeah, it's a, it's a good book, mate. I must admit, like I've been I've been um flicking through it, and like I said to you in the text, it takes me a while to read a full book anyway, because yeah. my my dyslexic mind is like, what are you doing, mate? I'm trying to I'm trying to broaden my fucking mind. Give me, give me, I'm having conversations with myself. Like, let me read it. It's like, is it not a movie yet? Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoyed reading your book. It really, really related to a lot of stuff you're going through yourself. Well, exactly. I was about to say exactly the same thing. And the first thing I want to like really touch on, because obviously I've only, I've only got to a certain point in in your book. I will finish yeah. it. And and it's the uh, the the bit that quite a few kids go through, and that's obviously bullying. Yeah. Like it's still not really talked about, in my opinion. And and it's still one of the uh, one of the harshest things in the world, definitely. Yeah, I'm very very I'm very against it. Like it's very big on it, you know. Um, you know, my dad was a—he was a career soldier himself. That's why I went to military boarding school. Mm. And unfortunately, as a lad, I was quite a small lad. wasn't one of the biggest boys because it was quite a quite an old school type boarding school at the time. And before it went co-ed, it was um, quite 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 a tough school. And I was one of the smaller lads. So I was easy pickings. So yeah, targeting always seem to pick on the on the on the smaller lads. Like like you probably know from reading mine, I was I was targeted. I was like, I was very small, very, really, really skinny, big ears, big, my teeth were too big for my mouth, you know, and I, I've, I've said it jokingly to, to like my missus, my brother and I'm like, well, I would have bullied me as well, because easy, easy target. As, as a joke, uh-huh. I've, I've, I've never been, yeah. never been one for bullying. I hate bullying. I hate bullies. And I, I'm actually quite blessed in a way that my daughters are probably the two kindest little creatures you'd ever meet like anybody that comes into their school now they're the first ones up there to say hi how are you doing nice to meet you welcome to the school etc it's like that's what kids should be doing no um, my son was like no. it's one of those things though you're never going to get never going to get rid of it they'll always no. have something unfortunately i mean my, my son he's, he's six foot two now he's like all muscle but he was the same as a kid he always stood up for what was unjust and he always stood up for the other kids at school and all that and he knew right from wrong from a young age so that was good the fact that you know he looked, he looked he stood up for others yeah definitely and i think well it certainly was a is a i hate this word but it was certainly is a trigger for for like myself in in terms of my own mental health and and things like that because at such a young age i was i was already slightly damaged from yeah from this like <clears throat> self-esteem wise and confidence the only time I was ever confident or or 
ready to do anything was if I was playing sport because I knew I was I was comfortable there. That was my that was my happy place. And it's it's just yeah. and I, I read obviously going through you you then started hitting the gym as you got a bit older. Yeah, when I left when I left born school, uh, managed to leave there when I was uh, fifteen. Uh, hmm. Did a year a bit of high school and then uh, went to college. And that's when I discovered the gym and body started responding quite quickly to the weights. And that's when I, you know, that's when I said to myself, you know, I'm going to get myself big. I'm not going to allow anyone to pick on me again. Yeah. I think, you know, especially after all the bullying I went through and all that, um, I numbed all my emotions. I numbed all the, uh, you know, for me, it was all weakness. And that's why I was looking to try and be, you know, the tough man. And that's why I yeah. always, wanted to be in the, in, always wanted to be in the army or the infantry um, as a young kid, regardless of what I went through. Because obviously, you know, I was looking up to my dad, I was looking up to my brother-in-law. Um, and I thought, you know, the military will make me the tough guy that I wanted to be. You know, I did try the army at 17, but um, realised after a month of training, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it because I, wa- I wanted to join the infantry. But because I was under 18, I had to take a trade because mum wouldn't let me join the infantry because needed parents' permission. But yeah, no, yeah. just realising that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. So because um, I took a trade or was going to take a trade, um, and I realised my heart wasn't in it. So, you know, I left after a month of training. And actually, you know, I did feel underneath that I sort of let my dad down. I know I didn't. Um, yeah. That's yeah. how I felt. Dad, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. You. I know what you mean there. Yeah. But my heart wasn't in it. I wanted, I wanted to be infantry. That's all I ever wanted to do. Um, yeah. So obviously a couple of years just living life. And then at 19, that's when I ended up going to the RAF careers office with a pal. And I knew a little bit about the RAF Reg, but um, not, not all that great deal. But they gave me a load of information. I thought, you know yeah. what, I might give this a go. This, and that was me. I, I, I found when I went to the uh, the careers office for... Because I, I originally wanted to be a PGI like my old man. So I was going to start uh-huh. off as a PTI and then go and do jumps. But because I'm thick as shit, I failed my aptitude test twice. Um, and then I basically said, what's the next most physical job in the Air Force? And they said, oh, well, that would be the RAF regiment. But you don't want to do that. I went, what's that? They showed me all this stuff, and I was like, "That's fuck." Obviously, I didn't know this term at the time, but in my head, I was like, "That's pretty fucking alley." I quite like that. Yeah, they were like they would. Everybody I spoke to, my dad, my mum, my nan, my the careers officer, all everyone. Yeah. You don't want to do that. You want to get a trade? No, I don't. I want to do that. That's what I want to do. That's that's the same as me. When I went to when I sat the test and did really well actually, and I could have done all these trades. But I was like, they're going, what are you doing that for? You want to you go for this? And I'm yeah. like, no, regiment or not. I did, I, did yeah, myself, I did myself a bit of injustice there, really. I'm, I, it's not like I flunked the test. I'm, I missed out on PTI by a mark on both right. tests. So there was a list that I could have, I could have been like a dental assistant and or a MT driver, things like that. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. No, I want to, I want to. I'm going to go join the Air Force Regiment and then I'll transfer to be a PTI later on. That was my goal. Didn't happen, obviously, but <clears throat> that was the goal. Um, but one of the things I wanted to quickly touch on was obviously because you went through a bodybuilding stage, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 got, a, I got a taste for it at 16. I, I got into the, the training and a, a bit of a, a start of a bug for bodybuilding, but I didn't take it seriously at that point. It was more when it came out. Um, you know, because yeah. I was military discharged, yeah, yeah, I felt yeah. obviously great identity's gone, and I was just looking to the one thing that I could cling to. And, you know, my training was the only thing that still gave me some sanity. So, like anything, I threw myself into that. Um, 
started started at a really good gym that was you know full of ex squaddies, uh, doormen, you know hard men, and uh, bodybuilders. And it was a real spit and sawdust gym. And that's where um, the guy the guy that owned it, a guy called Rab, he was a he was ex bouncer, ex bodybuilder. He totally revolutionised how I was training. You know, really showed me what I was doing wrong and how I was limiting myself. But yeah, he showed me how to really just change my training, and then I, I got got the bug for it. And that yeah. was it. I threw myself yeah. into bodybuilding. Did you find when you were going into the competitions and things like that, did you, because obviously Granite Zero is based around sort of mental health things. And obviously one, yeah. a big one that not many people actually talk about is body dysmorphia. Did you, yeah. did you find you had any of that going on? Like, because obviously bodybuilders are trying to get to that perfect peak. Yeah. I mean, initially um, when I, when I started it really, found focus as a bodybuilder i did it naturally so do natural bodybuilding because i just didn't want to go down that route of steroids yeah got you but yeah even doing it naturally you know i felt i wasn't as big as i wanted to be i wasn't as big as i think i could have been Um, yeah no i I did i did get um a buzz off you know people saying how well you looked how how great in shape but for me my mentality was you know if if i get myself in shape uh, physically but you know mentally it will come into line and that makes sense. And I was putting, because before my very identity was was being a rock ape, and it was all about you know being regiment, <clears> being a soldier, and all that. And when that was taken away from me, I felt I didn't I didn't know who I was or what what I had, and um, that's how I threw it all into um, bodybuilding. Um, oh, yeah. And I never did one competition because, um, so I got myself really focused because I was I was battling depression, I was battling alcoholism. So I was on a real roller coaster of a, of a lifestyle um, when I came out of the military, all looking in all the wrong things, trying to find fulfillment, trying to find um, worth, value. Yeah. Um, when I finally managed to do my competition, it was quite a quite a mental struggle because it, it took me about fourteen to sixteen weeks to diet down for it, yeah, and I actually crashed halfway through the diet. I came off it for a week, and then I was thinking of giving up, but um, I thought, no, I've committed to this, so I got myself back onto it and. Um, but yeah, the diet was a—it's it a killer, was, isn't it? It was hard. Yeah, it was because it was um, it was high protein, low calorie, low carbs. Sorry, high high calorie, low carbs. Yeah. And because it was really cutting down the carbs, it was really affecting how I was thinking mentally as well. No, oh, I bet. So it was it was yeah. But when I, when I did the, when I did the competition for myself, um, I didn't place because obviously the, the competition was immense. There's a lot of good guys uh, competing against, um, but I felt a, a sense of euphoria that I finally done it. Yeah, but after the competition and it was over, um, I felt deflated again. It was like, oh, it's over now. Um, and that's when I was sort of searching things again. And that's when, unfortunately, I uh, was in a low point and I caved into steroids and actually uh, went on a cycle. Um, and I thought to myself, I'm doing it. I mean, the the, the experiences, the the results were, were were good. You know, I got I got gains quite quickly. You know, the strength went up something chronic um put on size quite quickly but then i thought to myself do i really want to go down this route of there uh, because yeah. it was a mate that got it for us and he started us on it it was um deca so it was injecting into the muscle i thought to myself nah i don't want to go down this route don't want to be injecting steroids and and so i tried it um but then i realized after doing it um i wouldn't be able to compete naturally again for at least seven years because obviously I, I tried drugs and uh, with the with the comp- with the organisation I was involved with, um, they drug test and polygraph test their their competitors. So if I went to another competition, 
in place, I don't think I would have passed the lie detector test. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I did, I did hold on to that one value that I thought I still had integrity. So I thought myself, yeah, that makes sense. I still that kept makes sense. Yeah, I just, I still kept the training side of it. I thought myself, because I even thought about competing at the next level. Um, yeah. And the other organizations where guys obviously do take steroids, but I thought myself, nah, don't want to put myself through that kind of dieting again and all that. Yeah, so just, just it's, get a, to the it's a tough lifestyle, isn't it? it like, I know a lot of uh, people that I've I've spoke to about bodybuilders and things like that. They're like, oh, they're all fucking juice heads. I went, well, yeah, majority probably are, but that's a lot of effort. You don't just inject and you get that big. No. Or, or that one, rich. One, You've got to put the, the fucking one, time and effort in. That's what a lot about, of people forget about yeah. that, don't they? they? Definitely all forget the about one, that. The one thing about steroids is it, it lets you take your training to another level. Basically, because it is synthetic testosterone, basically what you're doing is you're allowing your body to train harder, recover quicker, build quicker. And, you know, the times like Arnold Schwarzenegger and the guys of the 70s, you know, they only took a fraction of what the guys are taking now. And um, it took them years to get to the size that they're getting. But unfortunately, the problem with the sport now is these guys are just getting super huge freaks. You know, genetics is a big part of it. Um, yeah, to be at the top level, but I mean, a lot of the guys I've seen in the gym, you know, they're 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 not cycling the steroids. They're taking more than what they should be doing, and then they're mixing it with others, and that's why they get the um, the health effects and all that because they're just totally abusing their bodies and they're not coming off the steroids. Not yeah. that it's saying it's completely healthy anyway, but no, I get you. It's it's a whole other level. It's a um, it's a, it's one of those strange ones, isn't it? Because you look at competitions like bodybuilding or. I'll even go as far as say sprinters and mm-hmm. people that are competing, like they're competing against each other, but they're not in it to hurt someone. For example, like the fight no. game. So I don't, sometimes I feel like I watch like Usain Bolt or something and he's broken that fucking sprint record. And it's like, well, nobody's going to do that unless they take something. I kind of want someone to break it. Even if they are juiced up, you know, just have their own juiced up Olympics. That's fine. If they want to take it, they're not hurting themselves. Oh, hurting others, should I say. Yeah. They, they could potentially hurt themselves if they do it all incorrectly. But, you know, it's not like they're MMA fighters or boxers that have got this increased strength. And sorry, just had a text message come through. That's annoying. Um, they're, they're not boxers or juice heads that are going to just start wailing on someone and caving their heads in. It's like... Yeah. But that, that's the argument with the old transgenders fight in like mixed martial arts and things like that it's like hang on a minute like the latest one that i saw i don't know if you saw it i saw it on facebook and it made me chuckle a little bit but this guy is an ex-army ranger from america uh-huh. that is now transition or transitioning to be a woman which is fine that's fine i ain't got a problem with that but he's then fighting mma against other women so this guy's already got all the testosterone anyway yeah, <laughs> and he's just beating the fuck out of women. It's like, no, that's not on. I don't like that. That's not on. I digress then, but that that happens a lot on this show. By the way, I get a tant. I go on a tant. That's cool. But it's yeah. What I was trying to get at is sometimes, in terms of bodybuilding, sometimes in athletics, you could probably get away with it. Like I want someone to throw a javelin. 400 meters not that that's ever going to happen but that would be awesome it's like oh but he's on steroids oh what so you're telling me that that's still not impressive 
do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. Still got to do the training. Though. I mean, look yeah, at exactly. your top, look at your top top strong men. They're not natural. These guys are all on the juice as well. Oh, of course they are. Um, of course, they are. you you, yeah. Just because they don't look like bodybuilders doesn't mean they're not on it. I mean, they're deadlifting. What was the, what's the record now? Something like over a thousand kilos or something. Not crazy. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but also, why? No, I I, I remember. <laughs> I remember when I was at Honington, a uh, young LAC, SEC, um, and there was one of the lads on, I think he was on 15. He was, uh, I mean, I wouldn't name names, but he was a bodybuilder and he was huge. I think it was about 98, just when all this uh, compulsory drug testing was coming in. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this guy was massive. And uh, he went away to the Falklands for four months and he come oh, back. And he funny was that. Half the size. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he was half the size. It was half the size he was before. And I remember chatting to him. He says, yeah, he says, I can't risk it. If drug testing coming in, I can't risk yeah, it. Yeah. He was on the game. There was a few lads that I served with. I, again, I won't name names, even though they'll probably say that I did. Because um, that's what happens. Um, they, they were on all sorts of um, powders and other such drugs. And every time C- CDT came, it was like, oh, do you mind taking the piss for me? No, I, I will not. No, you did it. I've no, been a good boy. Not not high, but um, I was fortunate. I never got tested by the CDC, but they wouldn't have found anything. Oh, anyway. it was it was funny. There was a there was a um there was a corporal who like liked a bit of marijuana, shall we say? And every time um they were coming in for the drugs checks, he happened to be on Willy watching duty, so he definitely wasn't a tested he was always like oh i don't mind going down to willy watch so like, oh, of course not yeah i don't think he's in anymore i think he uh i think he got out but yeah we digress mate that but I, I was i've always been intrigued by bodybuilding and things like that. i've never done it um i've sort of stuck to the same sort of training but yeah the, the dedication that you got to have to get into that shape and to be Aesthetically, like almost perfect, if you might say, the the V shape and, the, and the, the size of the muscles. And it's like... I was trying to attain that. Okay. For me, Sean, it was it was it was all I had, you know, because obviously the regiment was taken off me, um, and it did it helped uh, battle with my mental health as well. And I mean, I, I still train to this day, you know, I still train like a bodybuilder in the way I, you know, in the basics of how I train. But I'm not taking proteins. I'm not doing all the nutrition all that. I'm just doing it more to keep myself, my sanity going. Yeah, um, I get that. Doing I, it. I, to- I totally get that because I say, it, like, to be fair, this week I've, I've done a few uh, miles on, on the push bike. That's about it, really. Um, I haven't been to the gym this week. But I always know if I haven't been doing any training because I, yeah. feel, I feel shit. I literally feel shit. And I'm like, oh, here comes Mr. Depression and all the other bits and bobs. They're, they're starting to creep back in now because I've taken a bit of time where I'm not constantly putting positive endorphins into my system. But I say every week that coming down to the shed and having a conversation with the likes of yourself, that always makes me feel good anyway. That, that's like a boost for me. That's, my, that's a bit of my positive um, 
endorphins coming into me from through conversation. But the other side is is getting out for walks. I take my missus' cousin's dog out for a walk because I'm I'm not allowed my own one, yeah. which is annoying. Um, but yeah, I take him out for a long walk. I go to the gym. I ride my bike to work, which is seven miles there, seven miles back. I always feel better. Yeah. I, I hate it when I'm doing it. Don't get me wrong. Get on get on that bike because my bike is it's not very good at the minute. It needs properly taken into Halfords to get sorted out. But uh, most of the the journey there is uphill, so I'm fucking hanging out before yeah. I get to work. I'm like, oh fuck this. But I get I then get to work, have a nice shower, put my suit on. I'm like, oh, I feel good now. The no. same when I get on a bike to go home. I'm like, fuck this shit. No. Get home, have a shower, get on the sofa. I'm like, oh, I feel better because. I've done something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing about work. That's what I love about working offshore. Because in a way, it's it's like being back in the military to a, mm. a degree. You know what you got to do, where you got to be. You have a banner. But what I love is the fact that, you know, when I'm working offshore, I'm, I'm in a routine. At the end of work, I can do my training. You know, I can still do my running on the treadmill. I can still do the weights. And it's, okay, I'm away from home for three weeks at a time. But I'm used to that from the past, but yeah, it's, it's a good life. I enjoy the job that I do. I mean, I might be cleaning toilets after roughnecks and all that, but do you know what? It's an honest living. It's an honest pay, and it pays more than what some places do. Oh, um, yeah. Well, especially being back on the beach, and it's a job that I really enjoy. So I'm pretty that, blessed to have. And, that, and that, that's the that's the main thing, isn't it? Sometimes a lot of people like work to live instead of live live to work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you've got to do this, the stuff that you don't like to do to get where you need to be. And then it's like, I found something that I am, well, I'll, I'll use your word, blessed to have. I'm, yeah. I'm getting a decent wage. I don't, I don't hate the job. I'm not in love with it. Because obviously, like yeah. yourself, my, my dream job was to be in the military, was to be in the Air Force. Absolutely. Um, um, different circumstances, I, I gave that up for family where you got told you had to get out. Um, but obviously, me and you both served in the mighty, most hated regiment in the entire world, the RAF regiment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest. I was there. And uh, the slaggings we get, mate, I get it offshore as well from all the other um, trades. But um, I was reflecting what you, you know, you're saying about your book, Um when you were talking about doing the uh, operative job, you know, doing the, uh, when you were doing the surveillance and all that. Yes, yeah. Um, so it's similar to try, obviously trying to do what you were doing before, but in another role. I mean, for me, that's that's why I got into being a doorman as well. Because I thought it's the closest I can get of the thrill of, of being on ops. Yeah, yeah. And I did, I took, I took my anger to work. I used to, I used to always want to be up for a fight when I was working the door. I mean, I, I worked a good, a, a good door in Edinburgh. I worked on walkabouts when it used to be open. I had a good crew. The guys were switched on. It wasn't like you're fighting for your, your wages every Friday, Saturday night. But yeah, there was there was a couple of times that I, I took my anger out on the uh, on the civvies and uh, I shouldn't have done. You know, I regret what I did, but it was just because the anger that I was carrying, you know, and I just, I was trying to relive it all through being this tough doorman. But mm. I could... Yeah. So I, I don't really know where my sort of anger sort of stem from really because when I when I left I, I when I left I had my daughters and, and the miss well, I say, should I say my missus was pregnant with my second at the time so I was sort of I was still 
I was more frustrated. I had a lot of anger anyway, but I would never just go out and start a fight in a night out and things like that. To be fair, I didn't really go out as much as I used to. But mine was coming up when I was growing up. I, don't, I saw a lot of things as a kid that a kid shouldn't see, which I've, I've always said I'll never bring up on, on the show because it involves um, close people, should I say. Um, but that has always sort of stuck with me. And I always had a sort of an anger issue with that. Plus I'm five foot six. So you bottle all that up and you've got a little hand grenade ready to go off as soon as he's had a beer. Um, get, so get I, yeah, yeah I, I was probably one of the ones that if you were working the door, you would have probably gone, oh, here's this dickhead again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, the amount of times that I get asked, and you probably get the same, is would, would you do it all again? And I'm always one for saying, yeah. Like, yeah, I would. I mean, but my, you... my main one, my main one, sorry to cut in, my main one was <laughs> slightly changed now because of the backlash that I've had from um, friends or not friends, should I say, um, who I thought were friends. <clears throat> They, they were the these people that are now giving me the shit were the people that I said that I would go back and and be and serve with because that's what I missed. Yeah, it was the camaraderie, but it it still is. But I don't think I'd go back and try and be with those sort of same people because my eyes have been opened. Don't get me wrong, I love the camaraderie. I've still got two two of my best friends literally lived down the road from me. They were both rocks as well. Um, they both served on the same squadron. And it's like th those people are fucking dime a dozen. They're fucking brilliant. But you, in every walk of life, you get a handful of fucking part of my French cunts that sort of spoil it for you. But I'll definitely go. I'll definitely go back in. I'd go back. I'd go back to. I'd go back on tour if I if I was asked. It's funny you should say that because a lot of guys I serve with that, um, who are probably still serving. It's like two six two two across the road from fifty one. A lot of the guys are now across there, so it's like an old fifty-one squadron reunion. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. And actually, eighteen months ago, I had a bit of a—I wouldn't say a midlife crisis, but a bit of a thought of maybe they'll take me back. And I actually applied. I actually thought, Do you know what, I'm going to give it a go. Um, so I got in touch uh, with two six two two with the uh, recruiting flight sergeant and went through all the process. I was just totally upfront and honest with them, saying like, you know, this is my situation. I'm still on medication still suffering from depression all that and he says well we can see what we can do um and he says i'll have a word with the um forget the name of the trade but one of the the medics one of the doctors um, yeah forget occupational therapist that's the one and he says look i'll have a quick chat with her if, if you want me to and see what she says i, says, oh, I know brother so he basically came back and said look realistically bruce nah, because okay. of your medical history um because you've been medically discharged and all that and i knew it I thought, you know what, I'll try, I'll try, I'll test the water. Yeah, I just thought, what, why the fuck not? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to go back just, just to see if I could do it again. Not, not because I was wanting to do a career, I think, just, just to wanted to, you know, because yeah, I was yeah. missing elements, I was missing aspects of what I used to do before, but I knew deep down I wouldn't. I mean, you'll laugh at this. When I was medically discharged in 2005, I was in such denial. That a month after being discharged, I went back to the careers office to try and join back up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, recruiting, 
the recruiting court wall must have thought, what on earth is this guy? Did he go? Cause... Did he go? Are you are you taking the piss? No, mate. I definitely want to join back up. No, he, You've been medically discharged, he... mate. <laughs> yeah, at first, at first, he, he thought I was legit. I was wanting to come back in because they speak. And then when they did all the checks and all that, they're like, sort of, we'll call you, don't call us. Yeah. I mean, I was in such denial that a few months later, I played again. Jesus. I mean, it was crazy. Just, I look, just, I look back now back. and I can laugh, but I was in such, um, such denial. But talking about, you know, guys that you served with that were meant to have your back and felt they turned the back on you. I mean, when I, when I came off, uh, when I came back from Iraq in 2005, I was picked up for my FT again. It was oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, before before we had the Lance stack bag, and we only had the FT one, FT two. So it was the FT one going from a court wall. So I was going back on it. I'd only come off it the year before because of my depression, and I managed to get myself um, upgraded so I could go back out and do another tour. But um, yeah, two thousand five. I was when I went on my FT two again. Sorry, my FT one again. It was like deja vu. It was about a month into it. And that's when I had a, con- a complete breakdown. Um, and I just uh, completely lost it. Um, and I had to go to the doctors. Doctor diagnosed me with depression again. And obviously, you know, medically downgraded, the so-called rubber gun shit, as you met the other. I went back up to the squadron and it was, it was like a lot of guys, I think, because there was still a lot of stigma about them, even now. It about still is, mate. Yeah, it still is. And a lot of the guys that I served with, some of the guys that I even went into Iraq in 2003 with that were under that I was because I was made up to an acting corporal going in um, so I took a section in um, but some of the guys just I think maybe it was because they didn't know how to handle what I was going through all that but yeah a lot of guys basically just turned the back on me that's and it, that's sort it. of shunned it's still into the same, HQ yeah oh love a bit of HQ we'll get we'll get to that yeah, uh. no, I, was, I, was away, I was put away sort of on HQ flight, out of the way. And to be honest, I just kept myself to myself because I was feeling crap enough as it was without yeah, guys yeah. sort of just in you. But it some, is what, some of the guys... It sorry. is what it is with that, I think. Um, yeah. In terms... Like, even even now, when I first came out with depression and, and PTSD and the things that I had, people were like, do, do I ask him about it? Do I just sort of give him a wide berth? Or do I make fun of him? And I was like, to be fair, you could do all the above depending on how I am on the day. You know, sometimes I want to be just on my own. But sometimes I need someone because I'm that I'm a bit of an introvert unless I'm talking. <laughs> if that makes this makes yeah. no sense. I'm an introvert until you get me talking and then I yeah. come out of my shell. So if, for example, I wouldn't if we were in a bar, I wouldn't just come up to you and go, you're right, Bruce. How are you doing? You know, I'd probably yeah. just sit on my own for a bit until I sort of had a few beers and I'd pluck up a courage and make a conversation. Um, but yeah, sometimes I need someone to go, Tomo, are you, are you all right? Do you want to go for mm-hmm. a beer? Sometimes you do. But that's, that's the thing. But a lot of people don't know how to talk about depression or how to mm-hmm. talk to someone with it. It's like, we don't need you to try and fix us. Just yeah. be empathetic. Open your ears, listen to our problems and sort of relate to the problems because everybody's got similar problems, I'm sure. It's just yeah. how you deal with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I know I know how some people, they, they find um, a way that a recovery, you know, there's, there's people out there find all different. You know, for me, oh, yeah. 
definitely not not sounding a religious not but you know for me it was i came to faith i found a faith um and that's what became my saving grace and i know that's not the same for everyone yeah, but yeah. for me that's what my life around and of, of course and, and like now i can come on a show like this and i can chat with anyone about anything and i was never like that before um before i came to faith um but i know I think, people find different I, channels and different oh, routes. I, I, th- I also think a lot of people are afraid to to find faith as it were mm-hmm. you know a lot of people think that you have to be super religious to find faith it's like no you no, you, could, you could you could read parts of the bible and go fucking hell that's relatable because of course it is i'm i'm not like the most super religious but i went to a i went to a proper christian school don't get me wrong bishops of hereford blue coat school might i add um but you know, I used to sit in certain like communion sessions because we had to do communion every month. I'm not, I'm not like a full blown Christian, but I had to do it. And certain things that the 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 priest or vicar or whoever it was that was talking, a lot of the time it was like you're you're fucking spot on there. It's like, of course, they they that's what they do. They give advice, they give guidance. You don't have to believe in the Lord Almighty. You might. Yeah. Do you, do, do you know what I mean? Everyone has different channels. Everyone has different routes that they go down that find there's people out there that have, you know, they've gone through PTSD, they've gone through horrific things that I can even begin to imagine. And they found a way that, you know, a path of redemption for themselves. You know, they found a recovery path um, that's for them. And, you know, for me, it was my faith. And it's, it's for me, it's what holds me together. Um, I was, I, I mean, I can honestly say that at one point I was an alcoholic, you know, I was, I was battling it through the military, but, Back then, are you I sober now? Is that? Are you sober yeah, now? Sober, sober twelve years. Fucking fair um, play. Well done, you. And I know people say, "Oh, well done." That's that's good for you. But I always try and, you know, without sounding some sort of super spiritual nut job, you know, I say to them, "For me, it was my faith that that freed me to be able to be sober." Um, but you, you know, before I was battling it, I've you, done some crazy things. You spiritual nut job, you. <laughs> no, no but seriously instead, good. it's good like like you said everybody's got their own different way of of dealing with stuff and yours happened to be faith fucking good for you do you know what i mean if that's what gets you yeah. to turn the corner and get out of the darkness fair play mine was setting up the podcast like yeah. three three or four i can never remember it's even three or four days before I hit record on my first podcast. I was lying on the floor in my kitchen, curled up in a ball. Fuck it. That was it. I was rock bottom, hence the name Granite Zero Pop. And that was also my call sign, by the way. That was play on words. Um, but I was at rock bottom. And if it wasn't for my daughter to come and sort me out uh-huh. and then having a proper conversation, an actual conversation with my missus, an actual one, instead of, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm all right. This wouldn't have started and I would never have got better and I would have probably ended up being divorced and out of the house. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. I've had moments where I've had massive blips. Um, the first first couple of times is when I decided to go cold turkey and not take my medication because I thought I'd fix myself. Um, that, was mm-hmm. a good, that, was a, that was a good time. That was great. Um, the other time was where I thought I'd try and fix myself even more and use different pills instead of the ones that yeah. I was prescribed. That was a good time too. Um, 
<laughs> but you know, Mate. once I surrounded myself with with the right people, recording regularly on the podcast, getting the right people on the show that I wanted to talk to, um, semi weaning myself off the the antidepressants. I still kind of went cold turkey. I'm not going to lie. Um, but also what I like to call my bat belt was adding different things to my, my bat belt or my body armor, mm -hmm. which was going on a, a positive psychology course, which was run by inner armor, which is amazing. He's gone quiet. Need to make sure I check in with him. I did the other day. He did answer. So Al McGregor is still all right. People that are listening. Um, okay. I did inner armor. I did a depression awareness course. I did um, life coaching because I thought, why not? Anything that can build up this armor around me so I don't fucking fall off the wagon again. You know, and I was like, I'm now, touch wood, I haven't had uh, many blips since then. I've been sort of on the right path. I've had a few down days, but literally I had a down day the other day, and this is a hell of a big thing for me. Mrs. phoned me up. She was like, are you all right? How's work? And I was like, yeah, it's all right. She was like, what's the matter? And I literally just went, blur, and like e-purged all my fucking stress. I never, I mm -hmm. never used to do that. That used to just stay in. And it was, yeah, I'm all right. Don't worry about it. But I was like, no, I'm not all right. Fucking work's doing my head in. The people at work are doing my head in. And she was like, do you feel better now? I'm like, yeah, I feel better. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, so it's like this is my this is my journey was to start the podcast. Yours is faith and writing the book, which is brilliant. I I actually would love more people to write books because yeah, fuck, fuck me, I I got a bit stressed when it came out. Don't get me wrong, I got a bit stressed when it came out because uh -huh. I was like, at the time, I was like, fucking, what are people going to say about this? And it wasn't until I sat down and had a chat with my brother, and he went, just don't read the fucking comments. Yeah, went, good or bad, good or bad. I went, yeah, but I kind of want it. He's like, no, good or bad, leave it alone. I was like, all right. So no, I, did, I'm, I'm, I didn't. Yeah. My missus did. Twat. Yeah. <laughs> she was no, going, I, I had a, someone's giving you shit. I had, I'm like, oh. few, I had a few crap comments on my uh, Amazon page, but and I know there's people out there that have served in other regiments and all that. They've probably looked at my book and gone, what on earth is this nut job on about? And, but yeah. you know what? I don't really care. Um, but one of the things that I've, one of the things, you know, since coming to faith there uh, 12 years ago, you know, I've had opportunities to go and share my, my, my well, my testimony, my story, my journey, whatever you want to call it. I've shared it in prisons. I've shared it in schools. Um, obviously some of the churches I've been invited to, but you know, that's, that's my real heart is to, is, to want to reach out to other guys and say, do you know what, guys, you're not alone. I might yeah. not be going exactly through what you're going through. I might not have experienced exactly what you've experienced, but, you know, I can relate. Um, and it's just, because you know, there's, there's one too many veterans out there that are committing suicide. There's one too, too many. many veterans that are being let through the system. I mean, my saving grace, Sean, was the fact that I had a, a girlfriend and parents that put up with so much crap um, from me when I came out of the military I mean I put I put through hell I mean literally I've done some stuff that I'm ashamed of and um, but I don't carry the guilt anymore I'm not you know okay I'm 
I regret what I've done in the past, but I'm not living in, in guilt of that. It's behind me, it's done. But yeah, I put I put them to and if it wasn't for my parents, if it wasn't for my family and my girlfriend at the time, who unfortunately um part with everything that we did, we actually did go on to get married, but the marriage ended up being a disaster. And I'll put full hands up that I could have done so many things different, but unfortunately yeah. we, you know, we went through a divorce. Um, you know, I've been married twice before, um, and I've put both my ex-wives through hell because of my selfishness, uh, putting my job first. Um, so many things um but you know now yeah. i'm i'm ju- just uh just came back last week for, um from uh we break away with a wife that's as my wife now we've been married 10 years you know she's she's my rock uh she's my best best friend you know she knows when i'm not myself she knows when i've yeah, yeah. my medication you know she she can read me like a book um that, that, yeah, that's I'm, a, tra- that's, I'm transgressing now. That, that, that's a that's a, yeah, you know, a crazy saying. feeling, isn't it? When you when you miss your medication for a couple of days, it's a crazy feeling. I think that's my internet, by the mm-hmm. way. That's going a bit funny. It's a it's a crazy feeling where you're like, all these emotions just come flooding back for a second, which is one of the reasons why I came off my antidepressants or wanted to come off my antidepressants and did uh-huh. eventually, was because I I literally went numb. I don't, I'm not, yeah. it's, it's probably different for everyone, but I, I literally had nothing like the joy wasn't there, the anger wasn't there, yeah. the hurt wasn't there. And I was like, I can't, I want to feel these things. And at the minute, I can. For example, uh, my, um, my mother in law is on them and uh-huh. she's on them because she lost her dad, um, which was really sudden. Um, he, he used to work in a, in a factory back in the day that had a lot of asbestos. Oh, okay. And then, and then all of a sudden he got, he got cancer and it literally just went. And then he was gone within, he was diagnosed. And then a few well, weeks later, I think might have even been days he was gone. And I was like, wow, that was quick. But mm-hmm. when, when you first saw him, you were like, there's no way this guy had it or would ever, he was he was always outside. He was always active. And he was like he was yeah. coming in. He was like mid eighties, I would say, but you wouldn't think he was. And then all of a sudden, he was like, "Oh, you're looking old. What's happened?" And then, unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, but yeah, she she ended up on antidepressants, and she can't cry. That's one of her big things. Like we've been to a couple of funerals recently, and she's just like like a zombie. You might say, and it's like, "Whoa, that's." Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, per- I personally wanted to feel that. I didn't like the fact that my depression and my my moods were literally up and down. One minute I'm up high, and the next minute I'm really low and and hating on myself. That was my main thing. I hated myself. That was my main. And I was like, well, I need to sort that out. But instead of thinking, what can I do to sort that out? I automatically went to the doctor and went, I'm this this they went through the test they went oh you're depressed and you've got high anxiety you need to take these pills Uh and i was like i've said for it for like forever to my missus i don't want to be on pills but i took them because i wanted to fix myself do you know what i mean yeah i mean i've i was i've i've been on a couple of different um early on uh, antidepressants and i've been on one i think it was the talipram and it was, it was like what you, what you said, I was numb. I didn't do, I didn't seem to have any emotion. I was flat all the time. And 
it really affected my uh, my dreams as well. And I was having some horrendous dreams because of it. But I went on to a, a different one. And I was the same when I was trying to fix myself. Yeah. I was coming off it. I was going on it. You know, I was doing everything that I thought I could to fix me. And yeah. that was one of the reasons you know, I got into bodybuilding because I thought I could fix me. Yeah. But, you know, um, I wasn't on antidepressants when I got married to my wife. But um, 10 years ago, when we were newly married, I think we'd only married a couple of months. Um, and I had a real, I think the stress of it being a new marriage, you know, because I wasn't just getting married, you know, I was taking on my son, who, who I've now adopted. Um, so, you know, I'm now, thanks. Um, so now I'm, I'm like, a, I'm not just a husband, I'm a father and, you know, the responsibility of all that. Yeah. And I just, I ended up having a, um, one of, just because for me, my depression can come on me without, without trigger. Yes. And that's what used to frustrate me because people say, oh, well, you must have a trigger. Something must have happened. And it's trying to explain to them that sometimes I can go into the darkest moods um, with, for no reason. It can yes. come like that. But yes. Anyway, I, to- I went through. I totally agree with you on that one. I had a complete stressed out moment and I went upstairs and in my anger and frustration, I used to used to take it out of myself. And I went like that. And I hit myself so hard, I gave myself a huge black eye. And, you know, I was crying. I was just totally a wreck. And uh, my wife came up and she was distraught seeing the fact what I'd done. But yeah, I went yeah. to the doctors, um, spoke to the doctor and all that. And that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back on medication. Um, so we, we, we talked about it, discussed it. And I went on fluoxetine. I'm on a low dosage. And you know what, I've been on that ever since. And I've, I've come to accept the fact that I may need it. For the rest of my life you know yeah, yeah. the doctors seem to think that I, there I might t- be a bit of a chemical imbalance I, t- I totally agree on that as well and i've seen a lot of posts recently it must be a mental health drive or something mm-hmm. and there's a few people taking photos of like the pills that they're on it's like we're trying to break the stigma it's like cool um for me personally i couldn't get on yeah. with them because i i want i didn't want to have them that that's just me but i was like yeah. i'm not i'm not saying like Bruce shouldn't have them. Yeah. Because he might need them a bit more than what I do. But just because I don't take antidepressants doesn't mean that I'm not still struggling with mental health. I've got other ways of 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 dealing it. And like you said, I I scared my my missus um during one of my blips where I came down to the shed. We had a bit of a barney because I was being an idiot. And I was being an idiot. Um and I was, I, I'm still one at times. Oh, I'm always an idiot. I was drink, <laughs> I was drinking some whiskey. I was sitting in the uh-huh. shed, and I was like, "Oh, here we go. I'm going, I'm going down here." I knew I was going down, but I was like, "Fuck it." And I was at that point where I was like, "Fuck this." I was like, and I started literally the whole of my shed is. I've got military memorabilia up. I've got pictures up of me and the lads. I've got my fight yeah. shorts from the boxing. My podcast stuff is all up. So I took down the mics. I took down my my signs. I, t- I Literally, I took it all down. And she came in and she went, what are you doing? I went, I've had enough of this. I went, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm doing a podcast anymore. And I, and I think it was during a time where I had a few cancellations on the podcast. Uh-huh. I had a, a few big names, you might say, that have gone, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And it's coming to the day. And they go, oh, sorry, I can't do it. So fuck you that's one of my annoying things is like 
give me a bit more time. Like, say, for example, you couldn't do it tonight. I would have liked you to tell me, like... Yeah. No, no. <laughs> in advance, shall we say. But yes. anyway, I digress. And I literally took it all down. I was boxing it all up. And then I, I went for a bit of a stomp around, and I was like, looking... I don't even know what I was looking for. I was like, that would do. I'll go over there. I went for a fucking walk around. And I came back. She went, you're right now. I'm like, no. She went, come on, talk to me. What's the matter? And I literally do it. Same again. Managed to get it all out. And she was like, well, it happens. It's like, me and the girl still love you, you fucking idiot. So, like, yeah, I'm being an yeah. idiot. <laughs> yeah, you oh, are. My, my wife, my wife, that's one thing I love about my dear wife. She She's quick to call me out when I'm being a, a bit of a twat. Um, I mean, I, I have I have a love. I wouldn't say love hate relationship. I have a typical father son relationship. There's times I'm totally blown it with my son, and I forget now he's six foot two, you know. And but I love him dearly, you know. He's my son. He might not be mine biologically, but he's mine all the same. Yeah, now yeah. I always joke with him that it's too late now. You can't get away from adopted yet. But yeah. no, we we've, we've I've, I've gone through challenging times being a dad to him, you know. And it's not been easy raising him, but we've come through it all. Um, and my my medication is not a it's not a miracle cure. It's not a miracle thing. I mean, I still have blips. You know, if I don't get a chance to train, if I don't eat right, if I don't get my rest and all that. And my wife is quick to you know to look, Bruce. Have you done this? Are you doing that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still I'm still battling with depression. I still there's some days that I, I mean, I wouldn't tell people what my thoughts. But I I still battle some horrendous thoughts. You know, things that go through oh, my yeah. head, and I think goodness. I think people wouldn't let me walk the street. If no, no, you, you, yeah, you get back and you're like, why the um, fuck was I thinking that? Jesus, God. have a word. <laughs> I also know, but I also know that I wouldn't be where I am now if I was still, well, I shouldn't be here now uh, because of the alcohol. I mean, I've done so many crazy things. And, you know, for me, I, I have a faith and I believe that it's a higher power. I believe there's a God and I believe he's been watching over me. And for me, yeah. I, I truly personally believe that he has saved me on many occasions um, where I, I shouldn't be alive today. You know, the amount of times I've, I've tried to take my own life um, in the past, um, it's just crazy. I mean, hence I've written the book. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, I'll be honest with you, there's days where I think I'm done, bags are packed, I'm ready to go now sort of thing. You know, like, some days I, I still battle with the thoughts of do I still want to be here? Yes, but I know I would never, I would yeah. never do anything. I would yes. never. Um, I, I, I would never go down that route again. I know. Um, I know. I know what you mean on that. I know what I have, and I know who I have. Yeah, I've, um, I've, I've been there. I've been there, and I've had moments where I've been like, my, my daughters, my missus would be better off without me, because, and, and I, I quote now: these are the fucking things that were going on in my head. Like, I'd be like, they'd be better off without me because I'm literally useless. And this it it stemmed from the fact that I went from being in the military, being in the RAF regiment, having a purpose, wearing a uniform, being somebody, having medals on my chest, to then being a security officer. And that's how I started. I started off as a security officer when I left the military, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Oh, great! I now work at Waitrose." And I've had moments, even even now. I joke mm -hmm. about it now um, with the lads when I when I first uh, got to the place where I work at now before I took the manager's role. Um, there was a, there was a time where the then manager told me to go and move some trolleys 
from the car park back to Asda. And I took um, a photo of the trolleys and I went, I used to be out on patrol in Basra and CAF and now I'm pushing trolleys to fucking Asda. This is a piss take. <laughs> but it, you but know what? Th- those moments I was like, oh, fuck this. I can relate. I mean, there's times where I'm on my, on my knees scrubbing toilets after bloody roughnecks offshore. Yeah. And you think, hold on, I used to, I was, I was uh, a section commander yeah. at one point, and here I am scrubbing toilets. But you know what? It's the past. But, um, yeah, exactly. That's and, that, and that's obviously the big thing about depression. So obviously, depression is being stuck mm-hmm. in the past. And that's one of the one of the big things for for me, and it's one of the things I still sort of struggle with. As as we said, like, would you would you do it? Would you do it all again? Would you go back now? Yeah, fucking right, I would, because that was my dream. My dream was to be in the air force. I mean, my sons asked me, would I would I do it all again? I mean, there was things, there were aspects that I would change, but yeah, if yeah. I was back then, if I was back on my attestation day, and it was like, are you, you going to say uh, swear the oath of allegiance? I would do it again. I mean, I would do a lot of things different, but yeah. what I've been through has made me who I am today. And that was one of the things, you know, going back to, I carried, <clears throat> and I didn't realise it until I was well in my adult years, but I carried a lot of anger and a lot of bitterness from my, I didn't realise just how much it impacted me from my, my boarding school days. You know, I carried yeah. that into adulthood. Um, and I tried to suppress emotions. I tried to think they were weak. And, you know, I got it the wrong way around. You know, I am... I wear my heart on my sleeve. My wife says, says you look the part, but you're a big soft teddy bear, really. And I do. I wear I wear my heart on yeah. my sleeve. I'm an emotional man. I cry it. I hands on Careful. No, I I do weep at chick chick flicks sometimes. Oh, who doesn't? Ashamed who doesn't? <laughs> Fuck as, as as the saying goes, um, squaddies <laughs> don't cry. The eyeballs swear. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean. I'm all for a chick flick, mate. Yeah. But no, that's, mate, that's, mate I, I almost went the other day, not a chick flick, um, with Brian Wood. I don't know if you've seen Brian Wood doing all the marathons. Danny Boy. Huh? Was he the one that did the film Danny Boy? Yes. Yeah. So he's literally, I, can't remember, I think he's 25. He's done 25 marathons in 25 days for the, um, the fallen of Afghanistan. And there's a clip yeah. on his final uh, marathon where he's doing an interview and his son, uh-huh. who's just started his army career, comes into shop oh, okay. to, to, to give him a hug. And he sort of pushes him away because yeah. he doesn't want this fucking crow on his uh, on his shot. And then he, then he then they say, no, Brian, look who it is. And he turns around. It's his boy that he hasn't seen because he's oh, been doing all this. And he literally like breaks down and gives him a hug. And I was literally like, that. oh. This is a bit emotional. <laughs> I wasn't ready for this yeah. on a Thursday morning. <laughs> You'll laugh at this, right? Because obviously my fitness and my running and my training is one of my outlets. Yeah. I yeah. mean, people think I'm a nut job anyway. And I, I admit, I am a, I'm what you call a fool for Jesus. But one of the things that I used to do, I haven't done it for a while, like, but I've made this uh, sort of like five foot, four foot cross. And yeah. I've done it to raise awareness. And, uh, you know, Park Run? Yes, I know um, Park Run, yeah. We've got one in Perth. And I used to, every Saturday morning, I would pitch up with, with my, with my uh, four-foot-by-two-foot cross, and I would run the Park Run carrying this cross. And it's all... And that's the kind of nut-job things that I do, but it's to sort of, I wouldn't say raise awareness, but just to 
sort of uh, promote mental health and stuff like that and my faith. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's the kind good, of stuff good, I do, haven't Fucking good for you. Good for you. I remember um, when I just met my missus, um, we, were, we were just friends at the time, and uh, I decided to run the Edinburgh Half Marathon. And I was involved with a, an outreach in, on the streets of Edinburgh. And what we'd do is we'd do like tea and coffee to the revelers on a Friday, Saturday night. And we'd talk about our faith if you wanted to and all that. But I remember one of the Saturday afternoons, I'm doing the outreach. And one of the things we do, we used to have these big signs and it says John 3, 7 on it. And it's a scripture. And we used to, um, and it originated at the Irish football games uh, by a Christian. So anyway, this ministry, so we have these big signs and we stand on the, on the streets in Edinburgh, we used to. And it would be a, an approach. People come up to you and ask, what does that mean? You say it means this from the Bible. You get into conversations with people. Mm. But I remember saying to Mom, I'm doing the end of a half marathon tomorrow. One of the lads says, well, why don't you run with the signs? So I did. So you did. I, <laughs> I was raising money for, um, I was raising money for a, a Celebrate recovery group that I was part of, which is like AA, but it, it wasn't just for people alcoholics. It was, for people with different hang-ups and all that. So it was a 12-step program that I was part of, and, right. and I was making money for them because they needed to buy some equipment. So I've got a T-shirt on representing them. There's a great big yellow sign, and then there's a, there's a bit where I'm running across the, the finish line carrying this big sign saying John 3-7. <laughs> and it was funny because there's there a, there a few people when I was running around going, come on, big John! hey dude it's a different it's a different john he's yeah. jesus, jesus is mate john <laughs> yeah that's that's and it's all that's all the kind of things that i do but yeah um so i've uh i'm looking at ways I'm, i mean one of the things i'm trying to do is i'm trying to um connect with some of the the chaplains in the prisons yeah um, sent them a book to read and um, because i'm hoping there's an opportunity to maybe go back again into into the prisons and maybe chat to some of the guys and and um, because there is i remember chat, when mate. i did one of my i remember chat. when i did one of my outreaches um okay. and i'll share my story uh with this and there was there's was, there was a lot of guys in prison who are veterans you know there's a lot of guys that mm. um i bet there is have been down the rock so but yeah, you know, for me, it's not just it's not just veterans I'm trying to reach out to. It's it's guys who are just who are broken by life, yeah, by addictions, um, and I'm just seeing where see where it goes. But yeah, that's, that's that's my hope. If, if my book helps just one person, that's yeah. all that matters. And yeah, you know, and all the haters out there, all the people. I mean, like yourself, you've experienced. You know, you, you get the banter between the the inter services and all that, but there's some just downright nasty twats out there oh yeah on Facebook yeah. and they're just like and a lot of them i think probably haven't even um been on operations they're young squaddies that haven't actually worked with the raffredge and i'll tell you my experiences of in the past you know i've worked with the paras i've worked with other army units and to be honest the majority of the time we've had nothing but good rapport with them you know yeah, yeah. a lot of the guys out there I, they don't know who they are yeah i found i found that most of the crap that I got were was from people that I actually served alongside because, well, mm. I, don't, I don't really know why they're, they're lashing out for whatever reason, but a lot of these people are, are still stuck in in the raff reg don't do nothing thing mentality, and these are people that are serving within mm. the raff reg that thing like that. It's like, well, I actually went out and did. Bits and you were there with me, so I don't know what you're talking about. 
yes, I didn't fire. A, well, I did. I actually did fire a shot in anger. Um, but I wasn't in all these um, engagements, small arm conflict mm-hmm. and all that. I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I've said that in the book. But that doesn't mean I wasn't out there in a high stressful environment for day in day out for I think it was four and a half months the first tour five months the second tour and then seven months more or less in the third tour and people go this is what the big one for me was but you were in the sea jock the command center for the third tour you weren't even on the front line oh I'm sorry does that make it any less stressful Uh, have you done that job being zero was the hardest thing I did on tour mm-hmm. because when I, when I did, when I was in the hot seat, as I called it, I dealt with every major incident that the squadron had on in, in Bastion. Mm-hmm. That was uh, one of the lads getting shot in the stomach dealt with that. Robbo getting blown up, had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. The actual final rocket attacks that they did on Bastion, which was, they hadn't had any for God knows how long. I had to deal with that. Yeah, that's quite easy because I'm just writing it down and passing it on. Not when all the fucking bigwigs come in with all their fucking chevrons on and mm-hmm. the fucking whole sea jock starts taking off. And you're like, fuck it, I'm trying to chill out here so I can be calm for the cunts on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? Can you fuck off? I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> Give me a second. But yeah, it was one of the most stressful times that I had. Was was in in the in the hot seat. Horrible. But also, yeah. but also really good. And I was just going to say, I remember when I went when I finally managed to get myself upgraded to get get out as quick as I could to do my second tour in Iraq. Because um, the, the squadron went out uh, just after I came off the FT the first time. Um, so obviously I was downgraded for a few months and I managed to convince the doctor to get me upgraded and get out there. But for me, when I got out there, you know, not that I was expecting, oh, Bruce, you're finally here now, but um, I felt as if from a few of them, and I don't know if it's they didn't know how to handle me or, or the situation, but I felt as if I was tolerated sort of thing. It was like as oh. if for, from some of the guys on the squadron, I felt as if they were thinking, oh, you finally decided to turn up, do you? Yeah. And, me, my own flight that I was on, I mean, they are a great bunch of lads and all that, but I felt an outsider. Um, I mean, I was put with the sniper section when I first arrived, and I was sort of like put out of the way, and it was like I was used to fill in um, when needed sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, did try and, I did try and go and socialise with the guys, and I realised, you know, they've been out there from the start of the tour. You know, I've served with all these guys, um, and part of me felt I wasn't wanted, I wasn't accepted as such. So yeah. I just kept myself health. And the only thing that was keeping me going was the fact that I got told, Bruce, you're gonna you've been picked up to go back on the FT on the next one. So I was thinking, right, get your head down, just do your job, and then get on your FT, get promoted, and posted sort of thing. Yeah. I mean that wasn't that never ended up happening, but no, I just yeah. it's, it's quite similar. I struggled quite similar to you. Like I, I went on my what was FT one, which would have been for Lance Jack. And mm-hmm. that's I had um I rolled both my ankles on a tab uh, on the Navex, which I then in turn absolutely fu- I couldn't nav for shit anyway. But I rolled both my ankles and I was fucking in agony. 
And I was mm. just trying to nav, but also in pain. I ended up fucking nowhere near where I needed to be. I was embarrassed for a start. And um, I got picked up. And uh, I went, I need to go to the med centre. I've done my ankles in. And I went, of course you have. I was like, no, I've done my ankles in. I literally got there and the med centre went for physio. And they went, how many parachute jumps have you done? I went, none. Why? And they went, you've literally got no ligaments in your ankles. I was like, oh, that explains a lot. Because I was constantly always just rolling my ankle for no reason and like carrying on, which is probably mm-hmm. the most idiotic thing I've ever done. Every time I roll my ankle, it's like, oh, fuck it, I'll just tape it up. Typical squaddy mentality. Tape it up and crack on. They were like, you should have come in ages ago to get these looked at. And I was like, okay, cool. Can I go back on the FT? And they were like, well, you can. And then I went in and I, I was literally, we'd literally were just tabbing to um, where we were starting off to go back out on exercise. Mm-hmm. And I fucking done it again. I rolled my ankle again. I was like, oh, no, I'm done. And I think that was one of the reasons why I was like, I'm, I'm done. I can't. Mm-hmm. Because in my head, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do it again. And then basically HQ stopped me from doing what I wanted to do, which was... Um, join the air signalers that we had that were attached from um, the force protection wing. I wanted to become a uh-huh. JTAC. That's what I wanted to become. Yeah. Okay. Which is quite a big thing now. A few of my close mates are JTACs and, and whatnot. And I was like, well, that should have been me. But every time I went, can I go on this course? Can I do this? No, Tomo, you can't. You've got comms to deal with here. So I'm trying to fucking grow and be a better gunner. And you're not letting me do do that. So that that stopped me. And then I was literally, we I can't remember where we went, but we went on this comms exercise. And I was sat there and I was the only one from HQ. Everybody else was soggy weapons and and a few others. And I was like, I don't know. Well, I did know him, but I was like, none of these are my mates. The fuckers sat on my own. And I literally went, fuck this. I've had enough. And I was literally gone. I was like, that, nope, done. Seven clicks. I'm done. Because my missus is fucking stressed out at home. We've got a fucking newborn. She's getting stressed out because daddy's not around. And I'm about to go to Afghan again. Mm-hmm. And then I did it. <laughs> and the funny thing was, I was out in Bastion and they went, Tomo, you've been picked up for the FT1. I was like, oh, are you taking it off? Put my papers in. <laughs> I put my papers in. I ain't doing it. No, I'm, I'm, I remember when I came off my FT1, the... the... Second time, obviously, when it was the old FT1. Um, yeah. And, then, I mean, this was how broken I was. It was like I, I just couldn't function properly. Um, we were doing the, you know, CO, uh, flight commander gives orders. Yeah, yeah. then to extract the orders. And then I'm to write the orders um, to give to a section. And we were doing the theory and crashing work the next day. And I remember looking at the, the, the stuff that night, and I just couldn't, I could see it. But I couldn't write anything. I couldn't. I just couldn't function. I didn't sleep at all. I was just so blank, so just in a really bad place. And I thought, you know what, I'll cough it. Um, so I remember being in the classroom. I thought, I'll cough my way through this. I'll, you know, And I just froze. I just couldn't say anything, do anything. And I was like, total embarrassment. And I remember the training sergeant just said, he, I think he was in complete embarrassment, didn't know what to do. He said yeah. to lads, right, lads, go and take a brew. And then he just completely ripped into me. I mean, I, I can't blame him, right? Because he didn't know what was going on with us, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
completely ripped into me and I just that that was it because I burst into tears I was blank and with the, with the lads there that were on my uh, section for the for the orders and I just burst into I mean complete utter sobs hysterical yeah. sobs and Sergeant was like right lads go and get a brew and then he just completely ripped into me for about two minutes and then when I managed to compose myself together and he, then he was like concerned so like Bruce what 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 the bleep is going on? What's wrong with you? What's happened? You know, all that. I just said, like, I can't function. So he sent me to the flight commander. He was obviously the flight commander in charge of the FT1. And it was like we'd been here before. I was in the same, same boat from the last FT. And he says, right. And I could see him just looking at me thinking, you're an embarrassment. He says, right, go and see the doctor. So I went and seen the doctor. Same doctor again. It was just like deja vu. And I just completely yeah. burst into tears and all that. Just completely broken um, but it was this time that I realized that I am broken and yeah. I can't fix myself um, and the doctor um, but I remember um, going back to the going back to RTSB um, and speaking to the flight commander said right get your stuff together um, and away you go you know obviously you'll leave tomorrow because I had to drive all the way back up to Lossy but what really stuck out for me was um, the flight sergeant that drove me back to Bunton and was uh, Merv Ash. Uh, he was my flight sergeant when I was on 51. And one of the things he said to me, I'll never forget, I remember he was driving there. We didn't, we didn't talk much. And I remember when I got out of the Land Rover and he just looked at me and Bruce, take care of yourself, mate. And I just that really, you know, I just, I really knew that he was concerned. And yeah, really, yeah. yeah. I remember thinking to the, because at that time I was, I sort of um, met a South African girl that was living in Bury. Um, while I was on the course and I thought I can't face the lad so I sort of went and stayed with her for the night um, so I've said and um, get quizzed by all the guys and then the next day packed up my stuff and then went back up to, to Lossy but um, yeah and that was it that was my downward spiral Sean that was when I just completely it's a, it's, just... A, it's a hard one because it's a promotion course for, for your dream job and in your I'm putting words in your mouth here he probably thought, I fucked it. Well, I just thought, I just, I think the realisation, the disillusionment of it all, I thought, just, what am I going to do? You know, I just, yeah. I, I just realised I was at the end of myself um, and I went yeah. back up to the squadron and I just completely went downhill after that. Yeah, um, I, know, I know what you mean, mate, because when I was going through the FT, when I was on my FT and I'd done my ankles, I remember thinking, what, you were a, what a failure you are. And I think that, that could have been a bit of a, a starting point because I sort of fell out of love with the job at that point. I know that when they first brought in the FT1, we were already out on tour in, in CAF. When I got back, mm -hmm. I'd already been semi-doing that job anyway in terms of I was lead signaler on the, on the flight. This is when I was on a proper mm -hmm. flight. I was a vehicle commander. <laughs> because I didn't have a fucking 600 because I slowly shouldered that one. Um, so I was a vehicle commander, I was a bomber commander, and I was like, well, I'm doing all these commanding jobs. And then they pulled mm -hmm. out the list for the first lot from basically from my basics that were going on to do the FT1, and it, my name wasn't on there. And I was fucking fuming because there was lads that hadn't even been on tour that were going away to do this FT1. And I was like, this is a joke. Mm -hmm. I went, what have I got to do to... And then, then I got put on HQ and then blah, blah, blah. I ended up getting on one eventually. And when I did get on one, I came off because I was fucking injured. 
Oh, yeah. And then, and, and basically I fell out, fell out of love with, with doing the job that I was doing and seeing, yeah. seeing my missus at home and she, well, she hated living in Bury. She's a very family orientated woman and her family lives where we live now. They literally live around the corner, had, had dinner there this uh-huh. afternoon. And I could see her downward spiral living in Bury because she wasn't, at the time, her best mate did live in Thetford, married to one of my mates who now lives down the road. Um, but he came out because, because he didn't want, he fell out of love with the job. So he's already, he's already PBR. They've moved back to Kent. So basically her, her circle was me. And it's not a very big circle when it's just me, me and the, and then and our, and our eldest. And I was going off on exercise. I was going off on pre-deployment. I was getting ready to deploy. And I could sit, she was literally, she was off on her way down. I was like, I can't do this to her. I'm not in love with the job anymore. I'm not doing what I want to be doing. They're not letting me do what I want to do. And that's when I, seven clicks. Yeah. And I actually, my actual last day within the RAF regiment was my anniversary. <laughs> 17th of September, 2013 was uh, my final day. And it was like, well, there you go. Happy anniversary. I've now left. To the absolute anger of my mum and my nan, because they were like, that was your dream job. My nan was more like, you're the third Thompson to be doing, being in the Air Force. Now you've, now you've left. I was like, hang on a minute. Give me a fucking break here. I've just done three tours in five years. Give yeah, me- yeah. If I if I had stayed in, I would have been getting ready to deploy again. And I was like, mm. that would have been four. And she was like, they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. my mum, which is bizarre, right? My mum, who is now divorced, my dad, used to hate the fact my dad went away all the time. Because my my old man was a PJI, so he went away on good things like California to parachute and mm-hmm. Africa, and but he was away. And she was like, oh, I hated it when your dad went away. And I was like, so why, why? Dad went away to cool places. I'm going away to a shithole. Give me a break. They, they, they came around to the idea in the end. Yeah. But yeah, they first started out, they were, they, were blaming, they were blaming the missus to start with. I was like, it wasn't her choice. She was actually shocked that I put the seven clicks on. She was like, why have you no. done that? And I was like, for, for you and the, and the little one. And and for me, subconsciously, without really realizing. Well, family are more important, I think. Oh, definitely. But for me, for me, when I was married, a young lad, and when I was in the regiment, married, and obviously, I, I had a quarter in Ireland. Um, but the problem was, I but I was I used to joke um, if we were meant to have wives, we'd go down to stores and get issued one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I I was literally I can put hands up and honestly say that I was married to the job first rather than my wife i put the job before the wife yeah yeah i did all that yeah one of the things was my my first wife she was at old grove um on three squadron it was a very you know it was very close-knit unit you know the wives gelled together and all that and my wife was a career wife at the time she had a job in belfast she got a transfer through her work she worked for a finance company all right she was no way gonna be a forces wife Mm. and that sort of that was yeah, so that, that, that's was very similar to, to my missus. She was never going to be a forces wife. Like she was married to, she was. Me. 
She loved the fact that I did what I did, and she still is. She's very proud of what I did. But yeah, if you if you saw her at the like, she had a few friends I would say that were on the married patch, but mm-hmm. not they that not really enough. And the fact that she's so close to her family, I was like, this is. You could you could see it. She started she started smoking again, and all sorts. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what made it difficult for me, Sean, in Ireland was um, the fact you know she had a job in Belfast City. Um, she had her own social life. She'd be going out with people from work, and she'd be going into bars that I'm not allowed in. And so course, I never went out course, on yeah. the And then I had my social life with the lads, you know, the squadron vehicles and all that. And she didn't seem to understand the fact that you know a vehicle was classed as a parade. My problem was when I had a drink in me, I didn't want to stop. And it was like, I'll come home and I want to come home. And the more mm-hmm. she'd say, right, I'm at this time, the more I rebelled. But I mean, we'd go for days on end without seeing each other because I'd be on QRF. So I'd be like on 24 hour call. So by the time I get home for my day off, she's already gone to work. So sometimes we'd be like passing chips. But, yeah. um, you know, I did. I put the job first and then we, we split up um, for a while when I was in Ireland. And then when we got back together, um, I managed to get a short post in to 51 because I'd put in for my third year extension at Older Grove and I got it. Um, but because she we were getting back together and she didn't want to come back to Ireland, um, I managed to put in for a short notice post into newly formed 51. So I went up to Lossie, um, but we had a we had a, our own place in Edinburgh. So basically I was living married on a company. So I would be up at Lossie during the week and go home at the weekends mm. so in a way for, for a period of time it was working out fine for me because my job was coming first i was i was excelling on the squadron being made up to team commander you know i was onwards and upwards but it's when my job started to clash with my marriage that yeah, yeah. sadly i put the job first you know and service before self so, yeah and you know i realized when when we when we did split up and the marriage ended which i ended not in the best of ways and not yeah, proud yeah. of how I did it, but you know, and they always thought the grass was green on the other side. I thought I had missed out because I was married, and yeah, and it wasn't. I soon realized what a huge mistake I'd made, but yeah. I had to get on with it. And then I realized that at the time, what's done is done. Um, so I just got on it, and for me, it, it was the job I had to, you know, I had my career, and but you know, I, I was soon wo- woken up to the disillusion of. It's not all what it's cracked up to be. I bet. Um, I, bet. I started on the, the downward spiral. Um, and within 18 months of split up my wife, that's when I had the complete and utter breakdown uh, due to so many <clears> different things. But, um, you know, for me, what, one of my hardest days in the regiment was um, when, I'd, when I was on sick leave and I was going up to hand all my kit back in and all that and get all my paperwork signed um, before I started my resettlement. And all the, lab, the labs were just about to go back out for the third tour. So, yep. so I was there late afternoon speaking to the warrant officer and all hand on the kit and tried to make pleasantries with some of the lads, but they were like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I, I know that their mind and focus was on about to deploy tomorrow. Um, but for me, the hardest bit was driving away from the squadron. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking, do you know what? I so want to be going with them. And I, I actually started crying. And not ashamed to say that. And as I was driving down there past the airfield to head home and just seeing the squadron hanger behind me I thought it was a realization that you know what the lads are going without me yeah the job's over my career's over you know in the regiment that's it it's only a matter of 
months now until I'm discharged. But um, yeah, that, that, but I remember, I remember when I was at my most broken because after I tried to take my own life, after a complete heart breakdown, uh, they put me in the priory hospital in Glasgow for a month. And out for a wee while, but as soon as I came out of there, it was sort of like put me straight back to work, right? Um, but I relapsed. But one of the things I remember, and I went on a complete bender, didn't manage to turn in for work. You know, one of the lads had to come get me out of my room. And I remember stood there um, treading carpet on the warrant officer's, in the warrant officer's office. And it just, I mean, completely ripping into me. There's me still half cut, completely broken. And I thought to myself, hold on, what an embarrassment I am. You know, yeah. six months ago, six months ago, I was in Iraq um, at the height of my job. And here I am six months later, a complete wreck and embarrassment. Is having to explain myself to the warrant officer why I didn't come into work, you know, I just yeah, is but uh, yeah, it was hard, mate. It's hard. It's it's uh, it's hard to navigate through different um, areas of the mind, anyway, mm. and especially when you're in, in dark, in 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 the darkness, it's it's difficult because never taught how to deal with it and that's one of the big things that i've always i say always that recently i've been trying to fathom out why is why they don't yeah you get people that are trim trained mm -hmm. like they'll, they'll help you out if you're feeling a bit low if you've been in in a uh, in a contact or witnessed an id explosion etc but it's like that should be common practice when you do when you do your I'm trying to think of the the what they used to call it um, when you do your first aid courses and your and your um, weapon handling training and all that sort of stuff they should do a a, yeah. a, a, a little mental health check or mm -hmm. chat and and things like that it's like you don't get enough guidance on how to deal with your emotions in terms of depression even anxiety like i remember getting ready to go out and deploy on on footsies getting quite anxious about going mm -hmm. and 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 being like oh this is this could this could be the one i mean when like you when when i'm not sure when you i can't remember when you um first joined up but when I first went out on tour, I was 22 years old. And I, mm -hmm. I know there's lads that are younger than that, but fuck me, 22 years old and you're going out on patrol in Iraq. And you could get hit and killed or main or, or, or whatever. It's like, how about we take a minute and give you a little bit of training on how to cope with such... <laughs> stresses do you know what i mean instead of just going oh we'll deal with it when it happens mm. that is the big thing i think but it was it was the it was it was the let's go and get drunk culture wasn't it you know it was even i remember from you know i remember when we came back from around and we were in cyprus our we didn't have the decompression as they call it as as all they they've been getting of later tours but it was a case of we landed decompression we were in <laughs> that's we, a loose term we, that is. <laughs> we were in Cyprus for I think 30, not even 24 hours yeah. um, 
And then it was a case of got off, everyone went and got wrecked. And then uh, I think half of I think there wasn't a sober person left on the plane going back. But yeah, they they changed it slightly for when when we did it. So you you got beer tokens, and you could only have I think it was two or three cans. That might even be that. It might have only been two cans. But when you haven't been drinking for six seven months or whatever you do get quite pissed especially if you happen to smuggle some jack daniels in in a in a shower gel bowl but that that may or may not have happened um but (laughs) but yeah and it's madness mate it really is and like you said decompression it's not you get there you watch a comedy show maybe some singing I think on one of them, we were watching the FA Cup semi-final. You have a few beers and it's like, not really decompressed at all. I'm going to go home and they're just going to go, go on in. Go go into the real world for a couple of weeks and then come back to the squad. It's like, hang on. <laughs> hang on. I've been in one of the most stressful places in the world and you're just going to say, go on in. I'm definitely doing day drinking. I'm definitely going to get pissed up watching the ashes for no reason. It's madness. I'll probably have a fight if I can. <laughs> it's madness, mate. But yeah, like, yeah. like I said, they, they need to do more. And, and I've been saying this for, for a while now. There's, We're all aware now. I've seen lo- lots of hashtags of mental health awareness and mental health mm-hmm. awareness and mental health awareness a bit more. It's like, we're all aware. What are we doing about it? Mm. That's the big thing. And and like you've said, and like you are a shining light to, there, there are different avenues that you can go down. Your mm-hmm. faith being one of them. Massive props to you for that, mate, because, you know, it's, it takes a lot of balls to one admit you've got a problem two find a solution to help you guide you through the problem. And three, even, even in terms of religion, especially in nowadays where people are like, yeah, whatever, mate. It's like, all right. There's two things I learned um, that if you don't do, then how can you get help? Is the Mm -hmm. first thing I've learned. It's not about faith or anything like that. It's the first is coming out of denial. It's coming out of denial that you have a problem that you're saying, and the second thing... Pardon the pun on this one, but amen, brother. Yeah, but um, <laughs> and the second thing is realising that you're powerless to do anything about it yourself. You know, if you don't literally do those two things, what help can you really get? Because you, you, you're still going to try and help self. Um, but that was, a, that was two key things that I had to do. I had to come out of denial. I had to realise, you know what? I do have a problem with my drinking. I am a, an alcoholic. And I, I could put my hand on heart that... And back then and say, you know what, I am. I'm an alcoholic. For me, I controlled it by binge drinking. So I would go out on benders or I'd have secret sessions, things like that. That's, yeah, yeah. I wasn't a functional alcoholic where I had to have a drink every day. My controlling of it was by binge drinking, by having benders. That's how yeah, I would control it. So you'd have, a, you'd have a day or two days or, or whatever. And just a complete bender. Get... Yeah. Just, just got get... a complete bender. Or yeah. I would do secret drinking sessions. Um, and then, so, you know, coming out of the denial of that, and then it was actually realising once and for all, I'm powerless to do anything about this. I, I cannot fix me. Um, and it's been quite liberating being able to do that. And, you know, I can now 
hand on heart. I can speak about anything to anyone and I'm not ashamed to speak about any subject. Um, and I couldn't do that as a soldier. That's a, that's a massive thing, mate, genuinely. Being able to speak about it is a, is a, a huge is a huge step and it's also really inspiring as well and a lot of people should take note of that because one you're now at a stage where you can talk about it and discuss it and guide and help and teach you might say i i've massive prophecy for that mate massively that's one of the reasons why my new project for for next year the which I'm not sure about the name yet. It's definitely going to have Granite Zero in there somewhere. But the, we'll call it the Granite Zero <laughs> Foundation is going to be the start of it. I'm looking to start up a, a mental health charity. And I put a little, a little thing out on Instagram the other day. And uh, one, of the, one of my listeners popped up and said, oh, is it going to be one of the, uh, another mental health charity, is it? One of the ones that doesn't help people. And I was like, there's too many of those. And I'm aware of it went because mm -hmm. i have I, I got denied by um the Brit, royal british legion combat stress and uh the RAF benevolent fund might call them the big three we'll call them that just for because we're raf reg and we'll do that because we like being part of big threes um <laughs> <laughs> but I, I i went to find guidance and help from these people and they sort of went yeah all right nothing came of it and i was like that's not the reason why i want to start this i want to start it to help as many people as i can not to cash mm -hmm. in and that's one of the funny things that i had from the from the book and the and the and the podcast was people thought that i was getting all these all these thousands of pounds from from the podcast and i haven't taken a a, a penny from the podcast it's free for a fucking start i've got no sponsors mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the foundation I want to do, I want to, I want to do like, like you said, going into prisons, schools, workplaces, talk about my experiences and hopefully those experiences can help somebody else go, oh, I've had similar. And if I can There's help guy one that, person, sorry. you know what I mean? If I can help one person. I won't, I won't name him on... No, um, no, they don't do names. I'll, I'll send you a link. There's a guy who's an ex-military guy. He's, he's from Edinburgh, and he's doing great things. He's just written a book, and he's going and talking to people uh, about mental health and what he's been through. I'll, I'll, I'll try and link you up with him. But, um, yeah, yeah, do it, do it. Yeah, I've, been, I've been really encouraged by this guy, and I've, I've been in contact with him, you know, trying to encourage him a lot. And he's going into prisons and schools, but like the thing, and he's trying to help others yeah. in what he's been through. It's, what, it's um, one of the things that I've got to do, right? According to um, the government website for how to set up a charity, I need to get um, around six trustees that aren't going to take anything from the charity, but also give something to the charity, if that makes sense. So it, it's it's going to be a long process, but what I'm, I'm going to start small, obviously, because I'm not a big name. But if I can, on my days off, go and have a chat with someone, whether it's like this through zoom yeah. or, or whether it's one-on-one -on -one, going to a coffee shop or taking them for a fucking walk and we have a walk and a chat or if it's a group thing or going down even if we take a trip to fucking folkestone 
and go for a swim in the fucking freezing cold sea. Shock therapy, things like that. It's all these different things that you can do. And more, mm-hmm. ne- more needs to be done. We, we're, we, we are, like I said, we're all aware. Yeah, there's, there's a really good mate of mine who's an ex-rock as well, I served with. Um, and he's part of one of these really good Facebook pages that have been set up for the rocks. Oh yeah. Um, obviously not naming anything, not, but he's he's going through very similar things as yourself with the PTSD and all that. But I think uh, you probably you probably already know him, but um, I think he'd be very up for supporting you uh, with what you want to do and all that. Yeah. And I think just... this Facebook page would probably be wanting to support you as well. Yeah. The the thing with the I, I <laughs> this is I actually came off as many um, rock um, related Facebook pages. Because yeah. I, I was on, I was on quite a lot of them because that was my identity. I was a former rock. I still am. I've got a fucking tattoo on my arm. Still am. <laughs> will always will be because I fucking love that job and I loved what I did. Um, however, a lot of people have got a, an issue with me. I say a lot of people, a handful of people have got an issue with me, and um, they found it quite funny to put videos up of me. Yeah on various different sites. So I thought, well, fuck these guys and fuck the people that are liking these things that are taking the piss out of me. So I'm, I'm done. This is one of the, mm. one of my blips was this. I was like, I'm done. And I got rid of everything military related. At one point, I even went up to my blazer that I wear for remembrance, no. took, the, took the patch off, uh, took my veterans badge off, took my poppies off and I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. Bad enough. And then, <laughs> and then I calmed down for a minute and the missus was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I was like, I was, I was in one of those moods where I was like, I've, I've had enough. I'm done. I'm done with all these people. But it's amazing what a mm-hmm. handful, not even a handful, half a handful of people can do to you negatively when you've got hundreds of people that are like you're doing a fucking good job you've got all these people you could have one you could have thousands of people saying you're doing a fucking brilliant job you have one dickhead that goes you're a fucking cunt and you're like oh fucking I'm I'm a cunt it's like listen to those guys the positive ones leave Captain Negative dickhead get rid of him but that's mm-hmm. that's that's how my brain works. I'll go. I'll focus on negative first. I'm trying my hardest to be Mister Positive. I've, especially with the misses inside, try my hardest to be Mister Positive because yeah. she is Mrs. Negative. She's worse than me at times, especially in in today's climate with COVID and things. She thinks the world's going to end. Keep doing what you're doing, Sean. I'm going to need to wrap up, mate. I'm not realizing the time. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what the time is, mate. I could talk for hours. Like fucking 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Fucking 10 o'clock, mate. We fucking smashed mm-hmm. that out of the park. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Now, nah, mate, that's fine. No, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Mate. Mate. This will be the final podcast of the year. So okay. as, of, as of next year, we'll have to do part two, mate, definitely. Because, mate, we've, do, mate. we've done what? Fucking nearly two hours. <laughs> oh, I've even had a message now. Mrs. All right. But it's all good, mate. No definitely, we'll definitely get part two in, mate, and we'll we'll continue because this is. I, I learned this the other day. We're we're now in. Oh, I, I said I learned it. 
I think I've had a, I've had too many drinks. Um, ah, it's gone, gone out of my head. But you, you, no you get in a positive cycle, and then when you're in that positive cycle, you keep going. Flow state, that's it. Right. We're in, we're in the flow no state, mate. I'll mate. say cheerio for now, mate. Yeah, definitely. And I'll catch you on again. Catch you in a bit. Definitely, Sean. Thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you very much, Thanks, Bruce. Sean. Catch you in a bit. Thanks, Sean.